0: Hello, and welcome to a resurrected episode of Hollywood Chop Shop. We are your cinema mechanics, Brett Mosier and Travis Santana, and today we'll be starting our second annual socially obligated Halloween trilogy with 2022's Hocus Pocus 2. We'll jump into five-point inspection with How coven It Burns When I IP, Personification Station, Out of Time, and Child Please. But before we do, let's check in on the shot. Hey amigo, uh, I got your uh, Outlook invitation about the orientation next week. What's up with that?
1: Uh, yeah. Well, uh, with Andrew investing in the shop, he threw out a few ideas. Honestly, they're they're kind of hit and miss. But he he thought we should take on a couple of assistants uh, just to help out around here.
0: Mm, I guess not the worst idea. Any idea who they are?
1: Uh, yeah. Andrew sent over the resumes. Uh, uh yeah. Here, take a look.
0: Rhett Tosher and Trevor Fantana? What the fuck?
1: Whoa, whoa. Chill out, buddy.
0: No, 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 man. I'm calling Andrew right now. I'm drawing the line here.
1: Dude, what is your problem? We can just have him work the weekends. Wouldn't it be nice to have your Saturdays back? Get a little golf in?
0: Sure. The weekends. That's how it always starts, man.
1: I... What are you talking about?
0: Don't you get it? This is the start of a hostile takeover.
1: Uh, uh, a hostile... How
0: much are these guys going to be making? Have you even asked yourself that?
1: Uh, They're both like
0: 19, so... uh... Exactly! Younger talent equals cheaper talent.
1: Yeah, but doesn't that mean that...
0: Bring in some younger, cheaper talent to an established franchise like the Hollywood Chop Shop. We show them the ropes, we build them up, and then you know what happens? Uh, I mean, more vacation time for us? Oh my God, man. Open your eyes. Soon, Andrew won't need us anymore. By the time the third Hollywood chop shop opens, our names won't even be on the poster. It'll just be the brand that sells. We'll be lucky to get executive producer credits.
1: Uh, I, now I feel like you're, you're just you're mixing metaphors.
0: God damn it, Travis. Just give me the phone. I'm calling Andrew.
1: Uh, all right, man. But can we at least just discuss Hocus Pocus 2 first?
0: It's been nearly 30 years since the Sanderson sisters were put to rest, but money would say their return was inevitable as an ill-placed fandom brings them back from the dead. After a group of teenagers unknowingly completes a ritual to resurrect the world's most powerful coven, they must figure out how to defeat the witches again before they take vengeance on the town of Salem and its residents. Alrighty Travis, we'll jump into FIFO inspection, which you know I gotta know. What is your quick diagnostic of 2022's Hocus Pocus
1: 2? I can't, number one, I can't believe we're reviewing this. Um...
0: Well, I feel like, wait a second, we have to tell the audience. I watched the original Hocus Pocus when I was three, four years old when it came out in theaters, and I have not watched the movie since. All I remember is that a kid was a black cat. That's the only thing I remember, and you've never watched Hocus Pocus. So we basically went into this movie blind.
1: This movie came out in the theaters? Or or the first movie came out in theaters? Yes.
0: Yeah, it was a theatrical release. Oh, I
1: thought it was just a Disney Channel original, which I... I was I was gonna excuse a lot of this movie because I thought this was a sequel to a made for television movie the first time around. If you're telling me that the first one was a theatrical release, e eh, okay, um, yeah. As you've said, I I have not seen the first movie. I was stunned in the in the run up to this movie, like my social media feeds. Um, women that I know in my life were very excited about this movie. I did not realize this was such a cult classic. So I think it,
0: I think it became one with our age group, um, particularly women of our age group. But just to give you some perspective, the original had an, a budget of, we, we don't do blue book this week because this is a straight, uh, straight to thing. So let's, let's do blue book right now. All right. With the original, let's see what you think it is. Knowing that you thought it was a Disney channel original, the budget of the original Hocus Pocus was $28 million, and that's $1993, all right? $28 million estimated. How much do you think it brought in? The uh, gross worldwide in the U.S. is the same number. How much do you think it brought in?
1: I assume it was a success, but I also assume that it was not a smash success because they wouldn't have waited 30 years to do a sequel, so I'll say $52 Yeah, Yeah, $45, 45 million.
0: So, your social media feeds people were very excited about this movie.
1: Uh, yeah, and again, I have no context because I have not seen the first movie. I I thought this movie was, the the best way I could describe it if I wanted to do a favorable description is aggressively mediocre. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, we talked off air. You, you touched on it briefly. That maybe this would be more of a commentary on the industry as a whole. This feels like the definition of a soulless cash grab. Like the script, as it were, is paper thin. Um, I, I won't get too much into it because I have some of it in the five points. But like, we're just going to make jokes about them being people who are from sixteen hundred and they are. They're thrust into current society, which, which makes my confusion was they've already done this, they've already been in modern society, so why are they mm-hmm. shocked about everything?
0: So I'll tell you this: I had my wife sitting next to me when I watched. This was a fun flip flop on the the roles that typically play uh, in my household when we watch a movie, because usually. It's me watching a movie and having to explain everything to my wife that's going on. This was the reverse. It was kind of fun because I would be like, why is this? Is this relevant? It's weird that they focused on this. Or like, is there something I was like, was this person in the first movie? I don't like, can you tell me more about this? So apparently, to your point, where I thought this was weird with the technique, because the whole Walgreens thing and the, the fucking sliding doors drove me nuts because the last movie took place, I believe, in 1993 when it was released, because one of the witches... The one that's writing the Roombas in this movie wrote a vacuum cleaner. And Caitlin's like, oh, that's a callback because in the first one she wrote a vacuum cleaner instead of brooms. And in this one she's writing the roombas, which we'll get into that. But I'm like, we've already established that they understand the technology evolves. Why is the sliding door somehow like, oh my God, they don't understand? Like, this isn't they went with the whole like caveman being thawed, you know, Uh, And and I'm like, it doesn't. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't make any sense with this movie or these characters because they come back every 30 years. So every 30 years, they know technology has moved on, so it shouldn't be a surprise to them.
1: Yeah, and if you're talking about some sort of development between 93 and now, but as a child in the, the early 90s, I remember sliding doors. So even as a person who hadn't seen the original, I was like, this is a sequel. I The movie is calling out the fact that they came back from 1993. And yet the first third of the movie, all of the jokes are just Encino Man. Fish out of water. Yeah, man at a time. Yeah. yeah, fish out of water. <laughs> and I'm just like, that's... As you've you've talked about on this podcast with some comedies, it's the lowest form of comedy, and yet that's the only thing you have to quote unquote laugh about for the first third of the movie.
0: Yeah, so we'll like I said we'll get into five point because I think we're gonna touch on a bunch of this, but uh, the best thing I can say about this movie is I put this on par with Freaky Friday. I hated Freaking Friday. Like, that's the worst movie we've ever reviewed on this podcast. So I'm not saying it's that level of shit, but it is that this was clear... The script was clearly Disney Channel original movie, and then they put a budget behind it. And all of a sudden, I was like, well, should we clean up the script because it's not made for TV? Nah, fuck it. Just go with it. I'm like, clean up the fucking script. Like, you had A-list talent in this movie. Make out like there's A-list talent in this movie. (laughs) Like, it's insane to me that you brought back some of the original cast, and it is just... The script is so shitty. Like it is so so shitty.
1: I was gonna say, clean up the script. That implies that there's like a diamond in the rough here. I think what you might mean is have a script, because yeah, I, I don't I don't know if you want to jump into the five points, but my child, please, let's, let's do it. The three young leads. Okay, let me let me let me back up a little bit. If you've listened to the Hollywood Chop Shop. It's come up multiple times. Don't remind the audience of a better movie that you're making. A slight tweak on that is don't have child actors in the first five to ten minutes of this movie be kind of enjoyable as playing the Sanderson sisters. And then like, hey, they're done. They're never going to appear in the movie again. But we've got three generic teenage girls who... From a character standpoint, I—they're all interchangeable. Like there is no distinction <laughs> between the three younger leads in this movie.
0: Travis, my favorite part of the the conflict of the protagonist group is talk to each other. That's the conflict. If we had just had a conversation there would be no problems here. I want to hang out with you. Well, I want to hang out with you. Well, I don't want to hang out with your boyfriend. Well, I didn't know that we're best friends again. That's (laughs) that's essentially, that was, that was the arc that that group went through. The conflict that they had to deal with was, well, when I hang out with you, I don't want to be with your boyfriend. Oh shit. And then the boyfriend, like I wasn't making fun of you. Well, you're making fun of the stuff we do. Oh, well, that's just, that's just what I like. I was like, okay. I like what the, what are we doing with this movie? i have so many people i have to apologize to
1: oh my god that fucking scene like hey when you're pointing out people's differences and and you're having a laugh about it that's bullying that oh i mean paper thin cardboard characters of like young teenagers and then that like after school message Mm -hmm. i i broke my neck when i when when they like you said i have a lot of people to apologize that's not realistic at all. I, I could not get over how bad that was.
0: Uh, yeah, but yes. To your the point you are making, the 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 protagonists are the least interesting people in this entire movie, um, and that will go into uh, this is going to be one of those where I think our five points start to overlap a lot because my personification station kind of plays and I was like I thought the book was probably the best character in the whole fucking movie at least had the best emotional range when it's sweating because it's about to get caught I'm like oh my god the book's sweating and there's a lot of emotion behind just a single eyeball and then when it cries when uh Winnie gets like dusts off I'm like holy fucking shit the book has some range I want to see another movie with the book in it
1: (laughs) even though technically you know the book ends up in the hands of our you know what disney hopes is the next hocus pocus you know trio uh it's still like a book from satan right like this is still an evil book it's a book of,
0: of it's still a book of witchcraft i don't know and i guess that's cuz that's that's where we're going to get into i have questions because we've now established that becca is a witch and i feel like the movie has established what witches do so we need to get into what becca's future holds <laughs> but um yes i, I was there was more about child please cuz i want to try and make sure that we finish that up and we don't we don't get too far away from that one
1: it's just <sighs> I, I was never going to like this movie. No matter how great they made this movie, I was never going to like it. It's not it's not my genre. It's not my wheelhouse. But the Sanderson sisters, when you introduce them as children and they're kind of charismatic and I kind of like what they're doing, Like I can see that's a young Bette Midler. I can see that that's a, a young Sarah Jessica Parker. And then that is over within 10 minutes. And then you have these interchangeable just... Again, zero character development with with the leads of this movie.
0: Well, and I thought they were gonna do that classic thing. or well, not classic, it's the, the new age thing of like, oh, it's a tragic villain. Like oh, they're just misunderstood. And it winds up being like, oh, look, they were basic, like, let's justify the Sanderson sisters. Like they were trying to split them up and force them into marriage. It's like, oh my God, like that's terrible what the village is doing. But then they immediately go and burn the village down. I'm like, "Oh, so no, we're just going to re- immediately embrace the fact that they are kind of like assholes." <laughs> it's like they're not they're not going to be like, "Oh, we're just going to go live in the woods and become witches." They immediately ascend into anarchy where it's like, "Okay, now we're just going to go burn the entire village down to the ground as revenge." I'm like, "Okay, well, I guess we're done with the tragic hero thing or the tragic villain thing."
1: Yeah, and again, I haven't seen the first movie, but I, they literally kill children to remain young, right? In that the whole
0: thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I never yeah, that's, that's the whole premise.
1: I <laughs> never yeah. felt that menace in this movie.
0: No, not at all. They always seemed like they were bumbling idiots. Yeah. For them to be the most world's most powerful covenant, they never felt like there was there was any threat whatsoever. Um so as it goes, I think we'll go into it burns when IP. Um so for the audience it's IP is an intellectual Property IP. Um, but this is this is one where I we talked about it. Like this felt like a, a soulless cash grab. It's like there was a lot of love that, you know, they saw online that people, you know, Hocus Pocus became a new classic for Halloween and, and Disney saw an opportunity to to seize on that. Or Bette Midler, because I read that she was kind of behind the scenes of getting the thing made. But at the end of the day, Disney decided, hey, we're gonna green light the thing, put it on Disney Plus, try and make some bucks off of it. This is what I think is interesting about this. This whole movie, all right, revolves around the Sanderson sisters and their how they interact with one another, and then the new coven, all right, three girls and how they interact with one another. The two people who wrote this movie are men. You tell me how that story was going to fucking play out anyway. <laughs> like, what the fuck do they know about being girls growing up or <laughs> women being misunderstood the screenplay was written by a woman but the two people who wrote uh the actual story were david kershner who wrote the original hocus pocus and blake harris so two men wrote this story
1: yeah i'm not even i i i get that like you said that the, the script was punched up by a woman but the problem with this movie is that the character arcs feel either non-existent or wrong and that yeah, I, and that's that's so bizarre to me for this to be such a cult classic specifically among women of our age, you know, slightly younger, slightly older. but in the the era of Hollywood and just business in general that we're in, it feels odd to not have a woman actually working on the story.
0: Yeah, I just thought it was... And granted, I'm looking at bio and I can't... All I can base it off of is that Blake Harris, I assume, is a man based off of the name. But obviously, there's Blake Lively. Um, But I assume that it is. It is two men. Um, But Blake Harris wrote The Little Mermaid, which is when I think Disney was... Well, they're not because they're already redoing The Little Mermaid. So this is 2018. Rewrote The Little Mermaid. Wrote Anastasia, which I think think is another like modern take on that story i'm not sure but and then what is
1: he what what has he written outside of the disney you know bubble anything
0: so blake harris and to start the writing uh chop starts in 2011 with 12 dates of christmas 2016 is How to Catch a Ghost. 2018, The Little Mermaid. 2020, Anastasia. 2020, A Boy and His Monster. And then 2022, Hocus Pocus 2. And then David uh, Kirshner is even worse. 1993 is where his starts with the original Hocus Pocus. Then he wrote the screenplay. This is the only thing I'll give for Pagemaster. Do you remember Pagemaster with Macaulay Culkin?
1: I know what it is. I've never seen it.
0: I remember watching it as a kid. I don't remember. All I remember is Macaulay Culkin basically like jumping into or being sucked into books and then being animated. But he did Page Master in '94. '98, he wrote an episode of Earth Final Conflict, which was a TV series. In 1999, he did An American Tale, The Mystery of the Night Monster, which was a video. Or, I. I'm not sure what that was, and then did not do anything else writing-wise until Hocus Pocus 2. So the man has not written anything since 1999 (laughs) and decided to dust off his chops to come back for Hocus Pocus 2.
1: Okay, and you know what? (laughs) Everything that you said as far as their resumes tracks for me, because let's be honest, this was written by Disney executives. This was all paint-by-numbers. We can (laughs) cash in on an IP, we can spend a relative small amount of money, and I bet we can we can scare up no pun intended a few more Disney Plus subscriptions. That's all this was.
0: Well, even then it's it's PR, right? Even if they don't get the subscriptions, like people are talking about Hocus Pocus 2. So it's on people you know, top of people's mind and everything. But I it's just the story the story is so bad in this movie because we've already talked about it's that whole, you know, man out of time or I guess this would be women out of time which doesn't make sense because the original movie already took place in the 90s. So, if you wanted to do something like that, it would have been cell phones or something like that. Like, they did the sono speaker thing. Like, there's a, a woman trapped in that speaker but I'm like, they, ha- like, yes, Alexa's there but that's, they wouldn't know that that's any different than a fucking boombox that was in the 80s, 90s and I'm like, they would have already seen a speaker with, you know, a sound coming out of it. So all of those jokes to me don't make any sense in the world that they've built. It's just, as we've said, lowest hanging fruit. It's the the simple, if you're making the most generic, family-friendly, child can watch this movie, you do those kinds of jokes because there's nothing sinister or that can be, you know, taken out of context with those things. I thought everything in the Walgreens... They spent so much time in Walgreens, and it was it was dreadful. Like, them drinking the lotions. I'm like, lotions have been around <laughs> since, like, ancient Egypt and shit like that. Like, a lotion isn't something that they would be confused by. All of those, none of those jokes, to me, landed or made any sense. I just, the whole thing just, I, we we've said, it just feels like you had an IP that suddenly... Disney saw that they could make some money off of. So, so they did. I, I don't think I would be interested to see how many people who actually do love the original Hocus Pocus were like, oh no, this was a great adaptation or a great spiritual successor. Or, like, I, I love the sequel. The sequel is fantastic. Or, like, you know, my wife, she was watching, she goes, that was not a good movie. That, like, I, she's like, I like the original Hocus Pocus. That was not good. I'm like, yeah, it wasn't. So, I don't understand what, what was the point of doing it.
1: Yeah, and even down to the release date, this just felt so cynical. You know, let's let's drop it literally right before October because everybody's in the mood to watch Halloween movies, and this is a beloved one for some segment, you know, from 30 years ago. But again, I just can't get over... You know, the Sanderson sisters at least have some... They're at least putting on a performance. It, you know, I I wrote the open, you know, that we did before I even watched the movie, thinking, you know, hey, these these three young girls are potentially, if this is successful, they can spin this off. But at least the Sanders sisters have some sort of distinction between their personalities. The the leads in this movie, the younger cast, all just feel like, I mean, I guess to your point, it's it's men writing teenage girls. So they all feel the exact same note, which is, it's bizarre to me.
0: Yep. And well, again, it, it felt like it was supposed to be a coming of age for, for girls. And none of that was, there was, I feel like this movie had about four different plots. It could have gone after and decided not to do any one of them. It's like, we'll just kind of mention each one of them, but not actually go down any of those roads. Cause um we'll just jump into uh, in some other thing again we'll just continue the conversation so i think some of this will be in how covenant covenant uh not the best pun but it was it was almost there so i went with it so there's all this is just this is actually where i'm talking about the actual movie and plot points that i thought were kind of weird and this isn't even the i have questions segment this is just so I thought the movie had way too much exposition. Like the first, it's an hour and 45 minutes. I felt like the first 15 to 20 minutes of this movie, is just exposition that could have easily been solved in other places in the movie. At one point with the Magica Maxima thing, I was like, my wife, she's like, oh, well, they had to do that to establish, you know, the Magica Maxima and how powerful it was. And I'm like, they could have done that in two minutes anywhere in the movie. And the fact that Winnie Bett Midler's character doesn't like to read directions. She even has a throwaway line where she goes, I don't have time for directions. That's all you needed. We didn't need to establish it earlier in the movie so she could repeat it later. Like, that's all we needed to know. She didn't look at the directions. Uh, but at the beginning, like you said, the the three girls that played the young witches, it was fun, but we never saw any more with that. And it was, I guess we just, it, there was just so much exposition at the beginning of this movie that's, that's completely unneeded. Um. I felt that the the power is meant to be shared concept was brought in way too late in this movie. Like it just kind of like gets thrown in at the very end as a way as a basically a MacGuffin to to fix the whole thing, right? It's like, oh, power is meant to be shared, and then beyond that, where did the whole the town is going to be owned by witches plot go. The, the, the mother witch said in the exposition at the beginning of the movie, like one day this town will be owned by witches. That never comes back up. Like at one point I thought, okay, this is going to be the Sanderson sisters come back and decide, hey, we're going to start enlisting or we're going to make this like some kind of totem. So a whole bunch of witches show up into the town and then Becca and her friends have to find a way to get the witches to leave. Nope, that's that never gets brought up again. It's just... A throwaway line later in the movie where it's like mother said we would own this town one day i'm like but you want to destroy the town you don't want to own it yeah your <laughs> thought thought motivations a moment, make no sense
1: i thought for a moment maybe there was going to be like the mayoral uh race i thought maybe the mm-hmm. opponent of uh the guy from Arrested Development. I I can't remember his his character name, but I thought maybe, like, there was going to be some sort of twist with his opposition maybe being the Mother Witch. Like, Mm -hmm. I thought maybe that would be some sort of plot point, but there's, like you said, there's literally no plot. We just kind of play the hits and and get to the end and hope that people love this enough that we can reboot it with younger witches.
0: Well, and even to that point, I thought, like, as the movie's going on, like, I didn't go and read the synopsis beforehand, but at a certain point when we're going through and they're going at the Magic of Maxima, oh, it's the thing that you hold most dear. I'm like, I looked at Kate, I'm like, oh, I know where this is going. This is going to be one of those things we're going to find out that the Mother Witch, when she says, my covenant's been gone for a long time, and she warned not to use that spell, it's going to be, oh, she used that spell and that's how she lost her coven. And we're going to find out that backstory behind the Mother. Nope, that doesn't, we don't pay off on that either. And I'm like, oh, that would have been a great way to tie in the 20 minutes of exposition we went to in as opposed to just the last five seconds of the film, seeing the mother raven flying behind the girls on Halloween. And I'm like, oh, this is, I guess, where we decide to bring in Mother Witch again. I don't know. Let's book in the movie. Sure. I get it. Like the movie starts with the the, the raven flying and ends with the raven flying. Whatever. OK. I don't really necessarily get that. And I
1: mean, the real problem is it's not about bookending. It's literally the opposite. It's let's go ahead and throw in a note where we can milk more money out of this if somehow it's a success.
0: Yep. Um, I thought it was weird that the protagonists lesson that they learned or the heroes, as we said before, was let's just talk to each other like we can still be best friends. But, you know. Open dialogue is, you know, how you keep a, a relationship healthy. I'm like, oh, that's the lesson that they've learned in the movie about powerful witches, um, as opposed to the the Sanderson sisters. I uh, I don't even know. I thought it was weird that we decided that the sisters got their powers late in the movie, and I don't know. I guess that's because they started doing the magic of Maxima spell. I didn't. I didn't realize it was kind of like an Xbox loading thing, or it's like, oh, if you get the first 40%, you can start playing the game, and then the rest of it will load. Like, I didn't realize that that's how spells worked, but apparently it is, Um, because I didn't even realize that they didn't have powers, and that it was just Winnie who had power, and they basically were her support, you know, her pillars that lifted her up and and channeled her power, until they started acting like, oh, I have power now. I'm like, oh shit, I didn't realize that was a a thing that the others didn't, They were just around you know um and i thought that if they had established that earlier in the movie it would have made a lot more sense for winnie's whole thing to be at midler's character to be she has to prove she's the best once again oh my sisters now have powers that are rivaling me i now have to do magica maxima so that you know i can prove that once again i'm the top dog i'm it's most important for me to be the most powerful And then it makes that lesson at the end when her sisters disappear and she basically inadvertently sacrifices them a little bit more impactful because now it's one of those like, oh, my whole ploy was to basically be better than them, and in doing so, I basically eradicated them so that I could be the best. Again, that would have been a much better lesson, you know, and, and we would have actually seen an arc with that as opposed to what we got was, oh, the book tried to warn you, you didn't listen to the book, and then her whole... When his whole thing was about revenge and destroying the town, she's been nothing but angry the whole movie. She finds out that she sacrifices her sisters, and all of a sudden, she's not angry anymore. She's just sad. And I'm like, I feel like if it was me and I just realized I inadvertently killed my two best friends to become the most powerful, I'd be fucking pissed, and I would just be on a rampage. I would be destroying things. And then what do you know? The rest of the movie would have been the three... Young witches trying to chase down Winnie to calm her down and then essentially reunite her with her sisters. Again, there would have been some movie that actually happened with this thing. If, if It's almost the, the whole, I don't know if you know about the Unbreakable thing, where if they a lot of people think that in Unbreakable, the Amal Shalwell movie, if they had established that Bruce Willis was a hero earlier in the movie, they could have tackled more of him basically being unbreakable and what it's like to have those superpowers as opposed to that, just kind of being the very last bit of the movie is him kind of having to cope and deal with that. So it's one of those like, I just feel like there's parts of this movie that if you had made that at the beginning or the end of the second act, the third act could have actually been a pursuit of trying to stop Winnie or, or, or bring her back down to earth and all that. So I don't know. I just thought in terms of again, we talk about script and plot. I just don't understand what they were going with with this thing. It just it didn't feel like there was any consistency or they didn't have any direction. It was just get the thing and I say get the thing out as quickly as possible because they knew that they there are a lot of people love hocus pocus, but I'm like to me, if you're trying to be cute about this whole thing, the whole ritual is every 30 years the Sanderson sisters come back, right? Uh, that's their ritual every 30 years something happens and you can bring them back with a full moon or some shit like that the thing is how great it would it would it have been the movie was released in 1993 if you released hocus pocus 2 in 2023 literally 30 years later instead you released it in 2022 because you had to get it to market as quickly as possible
1: I mean, is that actually established? Is it every 30 years? Because I thought they've only come back twice with this movie being the second time they've come back. Did they come back before so 1993? I, I believe they.
0: there's a throwaway line about every 30 years, but that's essentially, I think, that might have been another little thing from K. Like, like, every 30 years, they come and feast on children, and that's how they keep their youth. And like, So the previous, like, it was the sixth, something happened in the 60s, and then that person's, like... Older sibling was the, was part of the, the cast in the 93 one. So, like, it was every 30 years, basically, the Sanders sisters, Sanderson sisters returned to feast on children to, re, to, you know, keep their youth.
1: But, I mean, only if a virgin lights a candle, though, on a full moon, right?
0: Again, I assume that that's established how they tricked a virgin into lighting a candle or some shit in the first movie. Or I don't think that had to be a ritual. I think in the first one, it's just every 30 years they come back, and then... Basically, they're just trying to stop them from consuming the soul of of one of their friends or somebody. This one was, they had to bring them back because technically, I think they died at the end of the first one.
1: All I can say, Brett, is, you know those days where you wake up I'm not I'm not gonna quote Limp Biscuit here. That that's not where I'm going. But you know, just the You days wanna break stuff? Where you wake up and it's like, hey, I gotta be working work in, in in two hours. I really don't wanna go. That's that's how I felt about watching this movie and then subsequently recording the the review of this movie. There was no chance I was ever gonna enjoy this experience, but This movie just felt like, hey, let's hit a few musical numbers. Let's make some Roomba jokes and let's hopefully cash the checks.
0: My eyes rolled every time a musical number happened and I looked at Kate, I'm like, was the original one a musical? She goes, I don't remember it being a musical. I'm like, then why is this one? And then I was like, and then they did the little, the witches are back. And then the end credits rolls with the witches are back. And I'm like, oh, that's why it's a musical because they're hoping to try and pull some kind of fucking frozen bullshit with this. And that stupid "Which where the witches and we're back song is going to become popular. So Disney's really trying to double dip with this IP right now. They're trying to get a, a, a catchy song that kids will want to, you know, download off of iTunes and they're trying to get Disney plus subscribers. I'm like, this movie is bullshit. <laughs> uh, to that point, I don't, do we have much more with, did you, do we get to out of time with five point inspection?
1: Uh, pretty much. Yeah. Just the, the the fact that the first third of the movie is just jokes about sliding doors at Walgreens. Yeah.
0: Alright. So Travis, I have questions. All right. One of which we've already discussed. If the witches came back every thirty years, they've seen technology improve. How has the drugstore confused them so much? All right, they last drive down. We've we've discussed that. All right. What is Gilbert the Great's end game here? Like, I feel like he's su- supposed to be a bad guy but they also don't want to portray him as a bad guy like he's the reason that the sanderson sisters are returning he knows the legends that they eat children to stay young and the whole his whole motivation is that when he was a child he watched them disappear in a graveyard and for some reason like he's a fucking piece of shit and this movie does not does not decide to like shit on him enough at the end like he literally wanted to bring three bitches w- bitches witches back to life <laughs> that would consume consume children
1: um i'm so glad you brought this up cuz i had similar questions but i i think i found the answers um number 1 i think you're so triggered because this is the same type of characteristics that you took issue with when we reviewed the movie life there's some big hue energy here where you mm-hmm. know it's bad, you know it's evil, but the curiosity overtakes you. Um
0: uh, there's also there's also some madam at the Chinese restaurant from Freaky Friday energy, where it's like, you probably shouldn't fuck with people's lies, but you're gonna do it anyway. <laughs>
1: um but you mentioned earlier in this review that you felt like there were four different scripts smashed together. The yeah. script uh where I'm sorry, what was the character's name? Gilbert the Great. Gilbert the Great. When he kind of goes into... Basically, fuck the patriarchy, right? He's basically Mm -hmm. saying these women were misunderstood because men were controlling society and government. Uh, So we got to bring them back because they're actually... They're martyrs. They're not actually evil people. And then he kind of quickly discovers that's not the case. But again like you said four different scripts that whole motif or subplot is completely dropped that shit never gets mentioned again
0: yeah Um, almost immediately
1: yeah it's literally brought up and dropped and never comes up again but he's kind of their hostage right because he's under the impression there's a spell on him where if he doesn't help them he'll die so after that I kind of understand why he's going through with assisting them and getting the ingredients.
0: And here's the thing, I get that once he becomes the hostage, he's still responsible for having them summoned in the first place. Like and I feel like we do not get any clear motivation as to what Gilbert the Great's motivation for summoning them is. Like does he want to be their like apprentice, their pupil, is he looking to become a witch? Like it's just Again, that's as that's as deep as we're gonna go with that. He owns a magic shop and he wants to bring evil witches back to life. And then he's actually a pretty good he's a swell guy because he's friends with the with the young witches. I'm like, I don't under is it to your point, is it a curiosity thing? Like he's super invested in magic? Does he think I could have as a, like been okay if it was a hubris thing where it's like, oh, I'm gonna bring them back, but they'll because I summon them, I will be their master. They'll all control them. They'll have to teach me. But none of that. He just decides that he's gonna trick the girls into bringing back killer witches. I don't, I don't understand his motivation at all.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's purely just to bring the Sanderson sisters back into the plot. But if that's all you're gonna do with it, then don't try to. In- introduce some sort of deeper motivation with the you know they were women misunderstood and persecuted by the times if you're literally never going to bring that up again
0: well what i think is weird too with that is we go and i i don't I haven't watched the first movie right i don't remember it so the whole billy butcherson or billy but whatever what was the, the guy the zombie's name apparently yeah, he's the, in the first billy movie butcherson. yeah Billy butcherson So the way I took it, not seeing, remembering the first one, is that it's implied that Billy Burchison was Winnie's lover, right? That that was his, in the first movie. And for whatever reason, maybe he realizes that she's terrible or awful or anything like that, and he has to try and help everybody save in the first movie. And then this one, it's all about establishing, like, no, I would never have kissed her. Like she's At the very beginning, we talk about how she's hideously unattractive and all that. I'm like, what is the point of, like, we've basically come back and it's his whole thing where he needs to be redeemed because he would never be able to fall in love with such a treacherous woman. I'm like, is it kind of a whole thing anyone can be loved type thing? Where It's just like, oh no, she's a terrible fucking you know, human being and we need to leave it at that. Like, it's weird where they go from let's make the villains three-dimensional and then let's also just let them be two-dimensional, like, bad people. And they can't decide what they want to do with that either.
1: Yeah, I, I just... I, I can't get over the fact that these were witches that lured children to their death so they could cannibalize them. When that's when that's the starting point, I, there's not much you can do to redeem them. And yet this movie does even less than I would expect. So that
0: brings us to my real questions. All right, I feel like the movie with the mother witch and the the Sanderson sisters establishes witches have to eat children to stay young, right? I don't know, it doesn't establish that they need that to get power thing, but that's a that's a thing. Witches eat children, all right? That is what happens. So now that we've established that Becca is in fact a witch, is there any concern of her having to start eating children in 30 years to to, like do, do witches have to keep their youth or like at a certain point is it kind of like a zombie when you're bit suddenly you crave the brains that you wouldn't have before now that she's a witch is she gonna crave the soul of children like i feel like there's i feel like we're trying to go down the path of becca the good witch but we also don't do that at all because i mean becca aside from trying to save her friends it's not like she really did a lot to save the town a lot of it was just trying i i don't know they i, I just feel like they didn't They didn't establish her as like a pure character. Like I said, if we're going to try and do like the old Sabrina, the tea, like, it just, it's, what the fuck are we doing? Where are we going with that character?
1: I mean, they didn't establish a character. Again, the the three (laughs) female leads that aren't the Sanderson sisters in this movie are completely interchangeable to the point that I can't remember any of their names. If you, you know, Becca, what? To answer your question, though, I think cannibalizing children is a choice. You can be a witch without cannibalizing children. It's just, are you also so vain that you want to try to live forever? I think you could be a yeah. a more moral witch where you just live a natural life and die at 85. Or mm-hmm. you can use your powers to feast on young children and and try to live forever. like Much Fair like enough. a vampire.
0: Yeah. Got it. So my last question in the logic of this world is the whole thing. Power is meant to be shared, right? They share the power. It allows them to be stronger. do we imply that the other two girls are also witches? Is a witch a bloodline thing? Like, I don't understand. Is it like, how do you become a witch? Is it you just want to be a witch? Are the other girls not 16 yet? Like, that's this weird thing. Where it's like, especially when it kind of establishes like, oh, it's a coven And the Sanderson sisters, the two other sisters kind of like, I don't know, power up Winnie or like, would they have powers together and all that? I'm like, so how did the two friends manage to like boost up and power up Becca? Are they all, I assume if we're going to get a Hocus Pocus 3, they're going to have to be witches. But then I'm like, were they, are they already 16? Like, what we've established that she becca became a witch on her 16th birthday she gets the glowy blue hands that means the other two are already 16 and somehow didn't realize they were witches or they're not 16 and aren't witches yet so how the fuck did the powers work with the energy bubble
1: i i cannot answer most of that i can answer (laughs) why can't you travis i can answer one particular part when it comes to becca you you're talking about why is, why is she a witch? You know, why is it, you know, on her 16th birthday? Uh, I did do some deep diving on this. There was a rewrite, an uncredited rewrite. Uh, it was George Lucas. It's the Metachlorian count. So Becca's Metaclorian count is, <laughs> is higher than most people have ever seen. And that was a deleted scene. I, I don't know oh, why you pay makes- George Lucas to come on and and do a rewrite and then scrap most of what you film for that, but that's the real answer. As to the other two okay. girls, I, that I don't know.
0: Got it. That, I, that actually makes a lot of sense. It fills in some gaps that I, that I had there. So that was just some of my... I wasn't sure if you could answer any of my, my questions about this movie. Those are my main questions.
1: Um, yeah. I'll also this be honest, movie. Brad, I didn't watch the last 10 minutes of this movie. Did you really uh, I think, not I really I could not i uh, I started doing some cleaning uh, some things around the house I saw the blue and glow hand the the glowing blue hands I didn't know what was going on at that point so <laughs> full disclosure
0: well there's another part where I guess the way the Sanderson sisters die here is exactly the way they did in the first movie where they turned to glowing dust. And I'm like, so are they not dead? How is it to summon? be like, where the fuck do they go that they can be resummoned or whatever? I thought they were pretty much dead. But apparently at the end of the other one, after all of the witches die, Billy Butcherson goes back and is able, like, the magic spell is broken. He's able to go back and rest. But at this movie, he comes back. I'm like, what warrants when Winnie's spells come back into fruition and like they come like and then they dissolve and they're not effective anymore like i don't again there's so much logic in this movie because they don't care they don't fucking they didn't care they didn't care enough to actually write a
1: movie billy butcherson was buried alive for 30 years is that what this movie well no he was a
0: zombie they zombie so in the 93 they resurrected him as a zombie
1: Well, yes, that's under what they're the saying is that he's years.
0: yeah, he's been conscious underground for 30 years. I'm like, I don't understand why if she died in the first movie, why her spell didn't break? And I feel like again, that's one of those like they thought that they had a funny joke there. So they made a joke, but it doesn't what? actually work with the movie.
1: brett what is funny about thinking about being buried alive with a consciousness and you're just in a box under the ground for 30 years? That that would give me nightmares.
0: Thinking I don't even about think he that. was in a box, because remember, Gilbert the Great says that's not six feet deep, and then oh, the arm comes yeah. out. So he's the one. He's just in dirt. He's just in dirt.
1: I again, that's that's a special kind of hell to to imagine, and this mm-hmm. is a Disney movie.
0: But he got to fade away at the end of this one. Because again, you didn't last the last ten minutes. But he does turn to gold dust and fades away. So he doesn't just go sleep back in the ground again. He actually gets to. <laughs> I guess travel to the plane where the witches are, because I don't know.
1: That's how that works. Which very well might be hell. So, hey, yeah. happy ending for everybody. We love it.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. So so you didn't see how they defeated her at all.
1: I mean, I didn't see it. I read it on Wikipedia.
0: Yeah. So you completely missed the performance of her just basically being like, oh, I've lost my sister. Son. Oh no, it's a, can I be reunited with them? Is there any way to do it, bookie book?
1: Yeah, and I just read the spell. description yeah. of yeah her begging and wanting to rejoin her sisters. So yeah, I did not see the performance. So if you feel free to elaborate.
0: Oh no, that was it. I, I thought I was pretty spot on. Like <laughs> if people close their eyes, you can actually picture B- Bittler doing that, so... Um, alright well I think we're done we can move on we don't have a blue book this week because obviously there is no uh, budget with the, the direct to streaming videos but we do have I'm happy to announce this actually had taglines because a lot of the direct to streaming ones they choose just you know a Netflix original so Travis are you ready for some tag and title
1: absolutely absolutely
0: already travis i'm going to give you three taglines one is going to be an official tagline for this movie one will be a tagline for a movie i found adjacent and one will be a tagline i created myself what i need you to do travis is tell me the official tagline for 2022's hocus pocus 2 are you ready
1: is it cheating if i ask if you use the tagline from the first movie
0: It's not cheating, but I'm not going to give you the answer.
1: I thought you might say that. Go ahead.
0: Be warned. Be ready. Witch, please. We are back, witches. Can we do monotone for all of them so there's no... Be
1: Uh, warned. Be ready. no, No, hold on. Okay. You made up we're back, witches... Because that is a slight tweak on We're Back Pitches, which was a tagline for Pitch Perfect, another comedy that is popular with the the female demographic. So lock that in. What was the first one?
0: Be warned, be ready.
1: That one, that doesn't feel... That does not... I could not, that doesn't feel accurate for this movie or any adjacent movie. So I'm curious where you're going with that. I'll say that's an adjacent movie. I couldn't guess what it is. And then, so that would process of elimination. The middle one would be an official tagline, but just for the sake of enjoyment, what, what was the middle tagline? Which please? I'll say which please is an official tagline.
0: All right. You got one right. Do you want to guess which one you got right?
1: The one that you made up, the riff off of now, Pitch Perfect.
0: You got it the adjacent. So, Be Warned, Be Ready was the adjacent title. We Are Back Witches was the official title of this movie, or tagline. Witch Please was the one I created. Uh, two additional for this movie was Back and More Glorious Than Ever in A Wickedly Glorious Return. I actually thought this one had decent taglines for such a... God-awful movie. Uh, Well, not God-awful. Again, aggressively mediocre. It had decent taglines. Be warned. Be ready. I'm going to see if you can guess this. The movie, we worked at the theater when the movie came out. It is what I feel a soul's cash grab of an existing IP with a magical protagonist. It co-starred Will Ferrell. Steve Carell also makes a cameo in it.
1: I I feel like I'm going to kick myself, but I'm not.
0: The lead was married to Tom Cruise.
1: Katie Holmes?
0: Think Days of Thunder.
1: Oh, Nicole Kidman. The lead was Nicole Kidman. Will Ferrell. I'm ashamed of myself. I... I got nothing.
0: 2005's Bewitched.
1: Oh. oh. <laughs> no wonder I forgot him. God. <laughs> That's one of those movies that has lost to history. I <laughs> I forgot that existed, so kudos <laughs> to you, sir.
0: That movie had Nicole Kidman, Will Ferrell, Michael Caine, Shirley MacLaine, Jason Schwartzman, uh, <laughs> um steven colbert david allen greer steve carell Conan o'brien all of those people and its just like you said lost to history
1: <laughs> how did you even why why did you pick that how did that pop to your mind
0: because i wanted a movie where it was a remake of a of a, a or like an extension of an ip and it had to do with witches and magic
1: I mean, Brett, you went deep into your spell book for that one. So, kudos <laughs> to you, sir.
0: Uh, all righty. Do you have a time capsule for this?
1: This? <laughs> I, I really don't. I. Uh,
0: you can't go back in time 30 years for us?
1: I mean, honestly, I guess just the original movie, which we've touched on. But no, I... It took all I had to record this episode, Brett, so no, I don't have a time capsule. I do have some notes in our, our potential new format here, but no, no time capsule. I, apparently, this shit came out in the theaters, which I thought for sure this was always a just a straight to Disney original movie. So just the fact that there was a theatrical release, that was my time capsule as far as me learning about this movie.
0: <laughs> well, and you even got to play, I guess, a a, a blue book, right? all right so we're gonna change things up as we like to do uh sometimes with new trilogies so what we thought with this is traditionally we do a chop shop where uh you know we have to change the genre i think when we did prey uh because it was a special edition we did a slightly different format with like a hot chop where it was a shorter format we didn't necessarily focus on the plot instead we focused on you know uh if you could change certain things about a movie what would you do to change the genre such as you know actor director writer score composer, key plot points, setting w- when it was released, or, you know, the, the way it was released, distributed, whether theater, streaming, whatever. So, what we decided to do is we're going to try and make that the mainstay, and then we'll do is we'll can now go back to doing a, a wrap-up episode, but the wrap-up episode will essentially be me and Travis having to combine the three movies of the trilogy into one movie, um, as we have done a couple times before, um, definitely when we did the christmas uh special so Travis has the the joy of starting us out in the new format so what I'm gonna do is uh you do you want me to spin the wheel of destiny here or do you just want to pick pick your your genre since it's our first go round with this
1: uh since it's our first go round i I had one particular thing in mind so okay We can we can workshop it. We can do we can do random. But this week, especially considering I hated this movie and the experience of of watching it and fucking resubscribing to Disney Plus, which I will cancel just to watch this after after I upload this to you. But my tweak is because you sent me so. On the wheel of Hot Chops, we've got actor, director, writer, composer, key plot points, setting, and style of release. Uh, you know, this one was a direct to streaming, would have been a better theatrically, but I chose director. If I had my druthers, if I, if I could think of a way to try to improve this movie, I would have had the director be a gentleman by the name of Robert Eggers. Are you familiar with that name?
0: Uh, No. Can you give me some of his body of work?
1: Uh, He has directed... uh, Most recently, he did The Northman. Oh, okay. Uh, He also... And the reason I picked him for this... He did The Lighthouse with Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe. But the reason I picked him was he debuted with a movie called The Witch. Have you seen I
0: heard that it was actually terrifying, but no, I have not seen it.
1: Incredibly unsettling movie. I I would not recommend it to everyone because the pace is is glacial at times. But when you talk about atmospheric horror, it 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 does the job. Um, And I I won't get too deep into spoilers, but as you can imagine, there is a witch involved in the movie and the betrayal of witches in general absolutely terrifying and I think that's this movie could have been approved in a lot of ways I my number one way that it could be approved is actually let's be scared of the Sandersons a little bit like if you want to have a Walgreens joke okay but they never felt menacing for one second other than drop lines about them eating children I'm like I I, I don't get why they're portrayed as villains. Uh, especially when the movie tries to, again, kind of dip its toe in the water of, oh, they were just women persecuted unfairly by society. If you're not going to go further with that, then you have to make them scary. And I think Robert Eggers is the kind of director that could do that.
0: Okay, I could dig it. but was there. Anything else you would? Ch- it sounds like you wanted to make this into a straight horror movie. So, is there anything else you would you would go about changing to? I mean, you don't even have
1: to make it a straight horror movie, but even like something like Zombieland, I I think the first Zombieland had a couple of scares that were reasonable, uh, which happens in a very fun and enjoyable movie. Like you definitely laugh a lot more in Zombieland than you are scared of anything that's happening on screen. Mm -hmm. But like, I'm thinking about the end fight when he faces the zombie clown and he hates clowns. That was kind of a scary, suspenseful scene. So Even if you're not going to go for pure horror, give me a little bit of suspense. That was not even present in this movie, even though you have three teenage leads. And I mean, going all the way back to like Halloween with Jamie Lee Curtis. Teenage people on screen can lend itself to horror. You can put them in situations where you like they're trapped in a basement in this movie. And it's just basically like start the clock on when they're going to be able to escape.
0: I can't believe you want to say that there's no suspense in this movie. I mean, I was on the edge of my seat, waiting to see if Mayor Task got his candy apple. <laughs> I mean, oof! Every time he got in that line, you had no idea if he was gonna, if he was gonna make it to the end.
1: But yeah, I, I think you could have, you could have put some suspense in here. You could have put some real menace behind the Sanderson sisters if you had had. Something that wasn't clearly produced on the corporate Disney production line. It's basically this movie was manufactured in the same plant that Obi-Wan Kenobi was uh packaging sushi on on Obi-Wan. Guess, at least tell, me, Brett, went... tell me you could not feel the same kind of vibes as watching we you know, audience, if you didn't listen to our, our special edition, our our Cantina side hustle, this felt very much the same way as Obi-Wan the series did. Like, at least they had actual sets.
0: Voices. Yeah, at least they had actual sets in this though, so as opposed to True. just a sound studio. But yeah, no, it just it almost felt like almost it almost felt like it was going to be a miniseries that they decided no, we'll just make it a full length feature for for Disney Plus, and then they had to try and trim down everything that they had planned on doing, and then this was the outcome. But it's just there's nothing to this movie. It's just, you're just, you're watching. You're just watching stuff for an hour and 45 minutes. That's it. That's, I mean, and I guess that's one of the things like love or hate a movie at the end of the day, at least you feel something. I just didn't feel anything by the end of this movie. I was just like, okay, I have spent time watching a movie. That's, that is what I did.
1: And I know that feels like kind of a generic synopsis, but you, you pinpointed the feeling like, yeah, I literally felt myself. I'm just like, I'm just absorbing content that Disney wanted to produce to boost stock shares for this quarter. Like, let's mm-hmm. revive the Hocus Pocus IP because that might get us some new subscribers. So. But yeah, did you did you have a uh, any particular hot chop tweaks that you wanted to make on it?
0: no i mean if we're gonna go that direction i think you know in terms of the suspense maybe i definitely would change the score i thought the score was just as generic and shitty as possible in this movie and i think i'm trying to remember at the it was somewhere at the beginning where i noticed i think it's when they were walking through the town in salem and i was just like oh my god this is awful i would definitely change some of the key pop plot points what which i discussed in the five point um i think the setting was fine i think you know having it in salem was is interesting was the movie muted for you i couldn't tell if it was just i had bad tv settings but like i see the thumbnails and everything and like they're vibrant and super high like not contrast but saturation like there's a lot of like you know richness to the to the color palette but the movie i watched just felt drab like they're like oh it's supposed to be spooking at night so just make everything gray like it just everything felt muted to me that did you have the same thing
1: uh I'm, I'm i'm the exact last person you want to ask that because i i have a pretty nice tv but as i also mentioned on obi-wan when stuff is set in the dark my tv just all the black is the blackest black you could imagine like it's a it's mm-hmm. a fucking black hole so uh with most of this movie being at night everything felt muted but i think that was more of my tv
0: all right i yeah i mean i i I wasn't sure anybody else it just it felt like they they muted everything down uh if we were gonna try and hit all of them release i would release it a year from now so that it actually was 30 years after the first movie because i think if you're going to be cute about that then fucking commit to it and what do you know you'd have another year of production. Um where you could actually, you know, rounded out in some of the quarters and made this a, a decent movie. In terms of actors, I mean the three girls were, were generic, but maybe if there was a little bit more meat to the to the script, we'd get more out of that. I, I don't want to fault the actresses for that. And then I mean you had Bette Miller, Sarah Michelle Geller and um I forget the name of the actress of the other witch. Sarah
1: Michelle Geller. Oh, yes, yeah,
0: Sarah Sarah Jessica Parker. Sarah Michelle Geller huh? would have been actually she would have been awesome in this as a witch. Um I bet you she could definitely, especially with her being Buffy the Vampire Slayer, it would have been awesome to have her show up.
1: You know what I will say, having not seen the first movie, one thing I could absolutely tell is that Sarah Jessica Parker is a much bigger star now than she was when she made the original. Because it Mm -hmm. was clear they had no idea what to do with her. Like, I don't feel like she had one standout moment in the whole movie. At least yeah. uh, of the part that I watched. If she came through in the last 15 minutes and did something amazing, then my bad. But it just felt like the script writers only had enough for Bette Midler and I, Kathy. I, the, the I jo- almost I feel know. like
0: they just wrote her as a ditz and then Sarah, just Sarah, can, Sarah Jessica Parker um, like tried to do some improv or take some scenes to the next level because there's the one in the house where like split up And she does a split in the hallway and I'm like, oh, that's kind of a funny gag. I mean, I didn't laugh at it, but I'm like, "Okay, she's supposed to be the ditzy moron. I guess that kind of makes sense why she would split that way. Like even to that wasn't that it's a joke for a child. And I don't know why, but I never thought of Hocus Pocus's. I guess you could say family friendly, but never a child's movie. Like it's one of those like, hey, do you think you know, do you think Charlie's old enough to watch Hocus Pocus? It's kinda of like the primer for Halloween movies and stuff like that. But it's just, yeah, there's there's nothing to this movie. Ugh, it's gross. So that's that's all I can say about it. I mean, that's my final synopsis. Is if you watch the movie, you have watched a movie. That's about it.
1: Put it on the uh the box art when it's physically released, which it won't be. <laughs> Because it'll just be digital, so that they can take it away from you whenever they fucking want.
0: Please do, please do. This <laughs> this is one of those instances where I'm like, don't don't you know clog up the bandwidth. You know, I don't need someone to accidentally stumble upon this movie because they're like, hey, we've got nothing else to watch. Should we put on Hocus Pocus too? Sure. Like, no, let's just not even make it an accident. Like, just take it off. So, alrighty, sir. Well. I would ask you for any final lines, but I assume you don't have one of those either.
1: I literally, I couldn't, I was dying to just find any sort of good quote. I, there's nothing here. I, I I hate this fucking movie. All
0: right. Well, we will see you all next week with Nope. All yeah, right.
1: You know what? I, as much as I hate this movie, I'm delighted that it precedes a movie that I'm excited for you to watch, Brett, because if this is... Uh, it, nope can cleanse your palate a little bit of this movie. So no matter how you think of Nope, I guarantee you, you'll like it more than Hocus Pocus 2. That's my
0: That's right. I, I, I have not read anything about this movie, so I have not had anything spoiled. I do like Jordan Peele a lot, so we'll uh, we'll see, you know? We'll see. Well, we hope to see you back next week for Nope. Um, and, uh, yeah. Have a good one.
1: Siri, remind me to cancel Disney+. Plus. Hurricane Ian, Little Waves.
0: Here I am, Little Waves. Just... Like the ocean of the motion. Mm -hmm. Brett Tosher and Trevor Fentanyl.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's just not a heroin podcast. All right, Brett. It is not. (laughs) I was so excited. I I was like, I want to get the the Brett Mosher crazy energy back in the open. And I, I feel like you did a great job. The uh, it burns when I pee. It took when you sent that to me in text, I I glossed over it. And then when I loaded it back to uh, add mine, I got I I got a good chuckle. So that was chef's kids.
0: So I cannot hear Travis at whatever mark this is. What just happened? Did your computer fill up? Mm, Apparently a spell has been cast on Travis. He's become mute. I think he's a zombie with his mouth sewn shut. Cause he can hear me and all of my commentary. He can't respond for some reason. What the fuck did you do? How did you? We were literally recording. What buttons did you hit to do this? You little candle with a virgin, didn't you? I can hear you now. What happened? <clears throat> Mm. well the black cat in the first movie was the boy that i remember this one was not i think it is just an easter egg like they threw a black cat in because it's a movie about halloween or some shit but no the, the well it, it's not the same character
1: Funny story, Brett. Don't worry if that content wasn't good because uh, when I unplugged my uh, USB, it stopped the Adobe recording. But I have resumed it now, and I've got little waves again, but that little that little chunk there not gonna be available for me on the audio side.
0: Oh, this is gonna be fun. Okay, let's do another quick sync then <clears throat> just so I make sure if it winds up being off. okay, All right, one, okay, one, two, three.